Welcome back to another edition of the Cats Illustrated Podcast presented by Canfield Realty Group. I am your host and publisher, Justin Rowland, and I think is is no secret what we're going to be talking about today. Unbelievably, Kentucky has a basketball game against Duke. One week from now, we're going to be there, but we're talking all Kentucky-Georgia because it's one of the biggest games in the history of Kentucky's football program, a game that's going to decide the SEC East, two of probably the 12 teams remaining in college football that have a legitimate shot at reaching the college football playoff, and we're talking to Anthony Dasher, the managing editor of UGASports.com, on the Rivals.com, Yahoo Sports Network. Nobody does a better job of covering the Bulldogs. Uh, Anthony, how are you doing? Hey, Justin, I'm doing great, buddy. Good. Thanks for joining us. Let's get right sure. to it. Um, yesterday, Kirby Smart and Georgia's players met with the media. They had some very nice things to say about Kentucky. <laughs> you know, actually, Kentucky has really fed off of opponents talking a little bit of smack, but Georgia didn't really give them any red meat yesterday. Could you kind of summarize the, the perception there in Athens as it relates to Kentucky in this game? Sure. Uh, yeah, Coach Smart was uh, really effusive in his praise, and I don't think it was a uh... You know your typical coach speak talk. I mean, uh, I know a lot of people. You know, who follow college football. They, you know, look at this game and see Kentucky and say, "Man, wow, what's Kentucky doing?" Here? I, that's that's got to be a shock, right? But really, if you look closely at what Mark Stoops has done, and Coach, you know, Smart pointed this out. I mean, this is a senior late team. They've got guys now who've been in the system often for four years. He's got his players. And uh, they just have been really bought in and just played extremely, extremely well. You, you add guys obviously like like Benny Snell, who I think the the best running back in the SEC, maybe one of the you know, one of the best in the country. You know what the defense has done has been amazing. Josh Allen, it just uh, he's a wrecking one man wrecking crew back there. Uh, you know on that defensive line uh, for UK, and uh, it's a uh, you know, so yeah. Georgia is taking this game extremely seriously. I mean they're they're not a. I, I can promise they're not overlooking uh, you know this game whatsoever. The players, the ones we talked to, were. Or, uh, had just tons of praise for what for UK has done. Seems like Kirby Smart respects physical football teams. Last year, two yes. years ago, Kentucky they played Georgia really close, and I posted, I tweeted something that, to the effect of Kirby Smart praises physical Kentucky. And Mark Stoops yeah. has only liked about twelve tweets on Twitter, and that's one of the tweets that he liked. He <laughs> liked hearing that. So. Um, Jake Fromm, you've talked about him on our site. He's been very good this year. He's got some weapons. Could you kind of talk about Jake Jake Fromm's evolution, development as a passer, and what makes Georgia so so difficult to defend in the passing game? Yeah, Jake Fromm has been a curious uh, subject on on our on our site. I mean, that, of course, you know, Georgia added Justin Fields uh, in the you know in, in on signing day, top top in the in the quarterback in the according to Rob one of them anyway other than Trevor Lawrence uh, and he can do some things that no George hasn't had a quarterback who can run and Jake Fromm has been under a lot of scrutiny and he had that bad game at LSU and, and people were screaming for, for Kirby to make a change put, put uh, Justin Fields in because he could do all this that and the other but, but Jake came came through against Florida I mean he, he what, completed 17 of 24 passes 240 yards, uh, three touchdowns, all three of the touchdowns came from third down plays, which, uh, again, has been a, a knock on Jake a little bit this year. Now, they had a ton of success on, on third down. But uh, And, Jake, what you've got, though, is, just, is a kid who just, uh, he's one of these uh, film rat guys. He, he lives and breathes in the, you know, in the in the bus mirror building there, you know, the football office is always watching him, doing whatever he can to be prepared to make himself ready. And this year, he's probably got more weapons, uh, even with the losses of guys like a uh, Nick Chubb and Son Michelle, he, they probably got more weapons this year, this year than they did a season ago. I mean, wide receiver, they're an extremely 
deep and I think a very talented uh, uh, group he's been able to take advantage of. I mean, Riley Ridley and Nicole Harvin. Uh, Jeremiah Holmes has really come on and played well. Terry Godwin, uh, he's a senior and has some big, big motors. Alec now to tight end is a uh, has made some big plays. Uh, so he's got a lot of guys out there he can really throw the ball to. And, uh, you know, John Dre Swift, running back Elijah Holyfield, uh, Brian Harry, and they've, they've probably got eight or nine guys they, they would love to get the ball to any time. And Jake has done, uh, I think, for the most part, done a very good job of being able to do just that. Seems like one of the trends in college football is for the heavyweights, Alabama with Jalen Hurts, Clemson with Kelly, Kelly Patrick, not to settle for pretty good when they've got an elite guy waiting in the wings. But I've never got the impression that Jake Fromm is in that class with Hurts and, and Patrick. Yeah. It's felt like he, he's he's never really been given credit for the talent that he has and, and just how good he can be. Um, so do you, do you think he's ever really been pushed by fields in the minds of the coaches, or has this just always been a job he's had on lock? No, I think he's been pushed. I mean, Justin, from everything we've been able to see and what Coach Smart is saying, and again, Coach Smart is not, not one to, to, to really go into a lot of hyperbole. He's pretty much shoots you straight on on things. And uh, he said Justin's been, been pushing, and I believe the times we talked to Jake, he's, he's mentioned several times that Justin Fields has is, is really uh, – It'd be great for him. I mean, it's made him uh, up his game to, to improve or, or risk uh, you know, losing playing time. So, uh, so from that standpoint, I think Nick Justin again has really done a, a great job uh, with uh, with Jake, and Jake has uh, answered answered the bell so far. It doesn't look like Fields played in their last game. Do you think that no. that's something that they they might give Kentucky a look at? I mean, Kentucky historically has has had all kinds of trouble with backup quarterbacks. Is that <laughs> is that uh is that it's kind of a running joke for Kentucky fans? They yeah. they scout the starter well, and the backup comes in and just torches them. You think that they'll show him to, uh, on Saturday? Well, well, that was a talk all going into the game against Florida last week. I mean, Justin Fields was going to get an extended play, extended look. Okay, again, going back to the LSU game, he only got five reps on that one. And uh, Jake was struggling. People were screaming for Justin to come in and get an extended look. They, everybody thought he was going to get that against Florida. He never came in the game once. So this game here, I, I, I really don't know what to say about that. I, I mean, He had played in every single game for Georgia leading up to uh, the Florida contest. Uh so, yeah, I expect he will come in at some point in time. What uh, extent, i got no idea. Kirby has been very tight-lipped about how he ever plans on using Justice. He just kind of goes by feel. If he sees the U.K. in the defensive line, he think uh, that, that Justice could take advantage of. Uh, I, I think you'll see him in there. But uh, it's just really hard to tell right now how Coach is going to use him. When I came out with some of my keys to the game, that'll go up later on today. One of them was they got to get, they got to win the turnover battle because Georgia's plus nine in their wins. They were minus four against LSU, and and it seems like a big part of that is forcing them into obvious passing situations. So Josh Allen, Boogie Watson, those pass rushers could get after from maybe force some mistakes. Uh, so, and and you reiterated in your, and when you were answering questions for us that you got to stop the run and force those yeah. passing situations. So what has Georgia's running game been like? Obviously, a different cast in the backfield for the most part this year. How how have they run the ball? They run the ball fine. I mean, it, it's really pretty close to what they did last year. In fact, I think this year, actually, after this point in the season, more yards rushing than they did last year with Chubb and Michelle. So uh, it, they haven't been flashy. There hasn't been a lot of uh, you know, you know, you know. Big plays by the running game. Now, 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 Swift had one last week, capped the game with Florida of a 33-yarder, which was his longest run of the year. But it's been more, you know, 5, 6, 7, 10, 11, 12, games of that nature. It's just been a lot of explosive plays in the running game. But uh, they're able to have a, they've had pretty good success on first down. But, but when they haven't, 
again, you can put Jake Fromm in the second long, third long. Uh, that's when he has had some, uh, you know, tendencies to struggle, especially when, uh, you know, the team on the other side has got a good pass rush, and uh, which Kentucky certainly has. Uh, what, what's the health report of this Georgia team as far as injuries and as far as uh, who, who might be out and who might be stepping into their place? Is that is that an issue at all? Uh, they've got a few guys banged up, but nothing, you know, I don't think major, major. I mean, they, they are missing. Uh, probably the biggest guy they're missing right now is David Marshall. He's a, he's a key member of the defensive line, a defensive end. Uh, in my opinion, he's probably the third best uh, defensive line that they have. He, uh, he's been out with a broken bone in his foot. He's not practiced as of today. And, I really don't think we're going to see him in the game, but but Georgia could be getting uh, Ben Cleveland back. Uh, ben, Ben's uh, 6'6", uh, 340 pounds. Uh, ben was a starting right guard until he went down against Missouri. Uh, granted, Georgia replaced him with Kate Mays, who's a, uh, <laughs> you know, another five-star kid, 6'5", 320 pounds, so it's not like they had to replace him with some Joe, Joe, Joe Schmuck. Right. So he's yeah. able to step in and, and play. But getting Ben back, would I think, would be huge from the standpoint. He was such a... Such a great, great run blocker, and that would just make Georgia's run game that much more, I think, effective. And then you could, if Georgia wanted to, they could take Kate and move him to the other side of where Kenley Solomon has played well for Georgia, but, but Kate has really established himself as somebody who needs to be in that starting lineup, too. So uh, that's really probably the only uh, issues uh, you know, of note regarding injuries. One guy who I don't think will be back, other guy I think will. I think when the line opened at Georgia 12, I think Kentucky fans kind of understood that. They've been underdogs in four games so far this year, and I think people understand Georgia just has maybe more ways to win a game, more more ways of playing a game that they're comfortable with than Kentucky is kind of a strict formula. The one thing that I think does bode better for Kentucky is against Texas A&M and Missouri, those games are kind of strength on strength. They stop the run, and Kentucky runs the ball. Georgia... Have they struggled a little bit stopping the run this season? Or, or no, no doubt. Yeah. No doubt they struggle stopping the run, especially against downhill power running team, which I've started to consider Kentucky uh, as being. Uh, you know, they, they, it's, it's, it's weird. Georgia you know, has had tr- issues tackling. I mean, the middle linebackers have not done well this year at all. I mean, of course, I think a lot of Georgia fans were spoiled having Roquan Smith back there for three years. Roquan just was probably the most amazing linebacker I've seen at Georgia. And I've covered this team for over 20 years. He just just really made that defense so much better. Unbelievable so player, yeah. They, they've got guys who are, they've got good players, but nobody is, is near that level. And they're having to do a lot of mix and matching with four with four kids. They're trying to trying to get it done, and they just haven't been as consistent as as coach would like. And the tackling has certainly been an issue. Nature as Patrick last week against Florida really had some issues. Had like four or five just completely complete whiffs on tackles, and uh, that's something with a. Uh, you know, with, with Benny running through, he has such great vision. That's something they just can't allow to have a, right. have happen in this ball game. And it's a huge concern, I think, for Georgia. Because, like you said, this is Georgia's weakness going against Kentucky's strength. Yeah, and that's going to be different for Kentucky. On the flip side, Georgia, it seems like we get the pro football focus play, player grades and team grades yeah. like you guys do. It seems like the, mm-hmm. one, the one, one area where Georgia hasn't, thrived another area is, is they haven't pressured the quarterback all that much and i don't know if schematically that's an issue or maybe it's overblown i don't think against kentucky it's as much an issue because you know kentucky hasn't thrown the ball all that effectively for most of the season but what what, what about that do they do they get after the quarterback when they need to or is that a schematic thing it's more of a schematic thing i mean georgia's secondary played very very well because right. uh, you've got deandre baker on one side we have not given a touchdown passes to 
Liberty Bowl against TCU in 2016. Wow. I mean, he's uh, you look at the pro football focus ratings, and he's, I think he's like the top-rated cornerback in the country right now. Ooh. People just, they just don't throw on him. I mean, yeah. They'll go to the other side and maybe try to pick on, you know, freshman Tyson Campbell a little bit, but uh, other than the game at LSU where Tyson was burned pretty bad, he's, he's held up pretty well this year, so I don't, you know, and, and they can't get after the pass. So DeAndre Walker is probably their best uh, their pass rushing threat. He's got five sacks and like 6.5 tackles lost, of course, nothing like Josh Allen, but he is, he can be effective when uh, when he gets an opportunity. So, but, but more than anything else, Georgia likes just to keep the ball in front of him, uh, keep uh, keep long plays from happening. That's been their forte more than anything else. Uh, yeah, yeah, people will look at the sacks, and Kirby will say, that, hey, look, we want to get more pressure. I mean, he's always going to say, I don't care if they have 30 sacks. Now he's still saying. Don't say that kind of thing. But overall, it's just been a, a deal where Bill Tucker likes to likes to just like play smart, solid defense and keep big plays from happening. That's interesting. It should be uh, it should be two teams that are like that because I, b- I believe Georgia's only allowed two plays of 50, 50 yards or more yes. this year. Kentucky's That's allowed right. Kentucky's allowed one play of fifty yards or more. So it could be a grinded out game between. Between these two, uh, I wanted to go to the LSU game. Obviously, if you if you're minus four in turnover margin, you're not going to win many of those yeah. games. Was there any other issue? I mean, obviously LSU is very talented. They might have the best resume of anybody in college football um, this year. What what happened in that game down in Baton Rouge? Well, basically LSU just punched Georgia in the mouth, and Georgia could not respond. Right. And the line of scrimmages were uh, were both won by LSU. Now Georgia did have some early success against LSU running the football. I mean, the second drive, Holyfield was 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 trucking people. I mean, he trucked uh, their safety. I mean, back back five six yards on one play. Uh, and uh, but but after Georgia fell behind, there was some questionable you know the questionable fake field uh, fake field goal. I don't know what a reason I thought Rodrigo Blankenship could be an option to a runner, and uh, they had play failed miserably when the game was only three nothing, and then they went away from the run completely there from like the mid second quarter all the way all the way to the fourth, and it just. Just, just, just wasn't. I don't think an effective. Just not an effective game for Georgia. Again, give LSU all the credit, but it also wasn't the best, uh, best game for Georgia at the same time. Yeah, and Anthony, I really appreciate your time. I'll ask one more question. I asked this sure. in in written format. Georgia fans, maybe they always have. I know they've always had a rabid fan base, but in recent years. They, especially since Kirby Smart came, I guess it seems like their, their fans have gotten this incredible reputation for just filling opposing team stadiums. Yeah. Kentucky fans have seen a lot of Georgia fans in Lexington before, but with what they did at Notre Dame last year and LSU this year, I think some, Kentucky fans are scooping up these tickets. might be the biggest game in 128 years at Kentucky, <laughs> but Georgia fans are going to be there trying to get tickets. How yeah. many do you think are going to show up? Whew, I tell you, there was a probably about... 15,000 or so in Baton Rouge not only yeah. got tickets to the game but they were there outside the stadium partying right. and having a good time you mentioned Notre Dame they had 40,000 going for that and that was so weird sitting in that stadium at Notre Dame University and seeing half red black half you know the, the you know the, the blue and gold it was just yeah. a crazy thing to see but uh, you know I, I, I think they'll travel I don't I don't think you'll see 15,000 there I, it could be around 10 mm-hmm. uh, you know Kentucky is historically I've been there Commonwealth State but a ton of times Georgia's always been well represented but it hasn't really been as, as many people typically go there. They will to some other other big games that, that, that they play. But being that this game is for the ACC East, I think you'll see more show up. I, I ran into several people at the airport, uh, fans who were members of our site, who said, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to be up there. And they're taking like 10 or 12 with them. So uh, it, it, you, you could well see around 10,000. But how many get in? Uh, 
ask me the question, I guess, how many tickets they can scarf up. Not too often are, are the stakes this high when Kentucky and Georgia play football, and I think it's it's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun day for sure. Anthony, thanks for joining us, man. Sure, Justin. All right. That was Anthony Dasher of UGASports.com. Does a phenomenal job. Just, again, very objective, just like Gabe Diarman last week. Uh, I, I wanted to shift gears on a couple of points, and before we get to uh, before we get to the Wandale Robinson recruiting situation, I wanted to remind everybody that we are uh, partnering with Steve Canfield of Canfield Realty Group, currently offering a 40% commission rebate. That's the current deal when you buy a home with Steve Canfield as your agent, no strings, 100% legal, 40% commission rebate. Take that money when you buy a new home, pocket it, put it into the house, whatever you want to do with it, certainly come in handy. If you you and your partner, you and your spouse have, uh, have discussed buying a new home, upgrading, downgrading, um, whatever whatever your life circumstances are. If it's a conversation you've had, reach out to Steve Canfield. He has a perfect five-star rating, 119 reviews on 104 sales in the past year at Zillow. You can see those reviews. doesn't get any better. He sold 3,400 properties in the last 41 years, ranked in the top 10 out of 3,500 agents in the Louisville area. You can go to CanfieldRealtyGroup.com or call Steve at 502-649-5687. That's 502-649-5687. Steve Canfield, Canfield Realty Group, 40% commission rebate. Do it now. Um, I wanted to, uh, to update you on Wandale Robinson. I changed my pick finally from Kentucky to Nebraska, and I know other people had picked Nebraska before. I wanted to do as much digging as I could so I wasn't going back and forth, back and forth, changing my pick, misleading people, putting too much weight or emphasis on one piece of information or one angle of this, and gathering everything that I have. I can't say that there's a smoking gun. I, I I think there are a couple of people who really know what they're talking about in this. I don't. Dave Lackford... Uh, he has a relationship with Wandale, and I think he's going to be there covering the event. And without tipping his hand too much, I think that Dave is respecting what Wandale has told him, and he's not going to go out and say, "Hey, you know, here's the smoking gun. I know that Wandale's going here." But all I will say is this. When Dave has changed his pick a week ago from Kentucky to Nebraska, I would put a lot of stock in that. Um, I would also put a lot of stock in all of the recent buzz over the past week um, pointing towards Nebraska. Uh, I think Kentucky would be trying to change his mind right up until the 11th hour. I just don't know that it will happen. I think Nebraska, the offense certainly appeals to him. I think the football culture certainly appeals to him. I think that there was possibly a draw to staying close to home, but I don't know how decisive... Um, that ever was. I think that there were pros to it. There were cons to it. And from what I've heard, I think I think Nebraska is probably going to be the choice. Um, and you know, on the heels, one year removed of losing Rondale Moore and just seeing him as a finalist or a semifinalist for the Blitnikoff Award or whatever the award was that he was nominated for, it's going to sting a little bit. Um, and I, I do want to say this. You know, there's this ongoing perpetual debate on our board between optimists and pessimists or optimists and realists however you want to label yourself i've said that i think that this class is better than it's 
than it's probably going to get credit for, that it's right in line with the other classes that Mark Stoops has recruited. I still think that they're in great shape with J.J. Weaver. I think Kentucky is where J.J. Weaver is going to end up. That'll be a big addition late. I will say that it has to be a little bit disappointing um, to see Casey and Robinson and some others. I don't think Kentucky did anything wrong with these guys. I think in the case of uh, Casey, it was just what he wants to do. If you want to go play linebacker at Oregon in the middle of a season where Kentucky's linebackers have been outstanding, they're seven and one. Like I don't think they could have done anything different. Uh, and in the case of Wandale Robinson, it's probably just part and partial of having the offense that they have. And you know, maybe if Lynn Bowden had had more games like he had against Missouri earlier in the season, that could have been a good selling point. But excuse me. Um, I don't know that there's anything that they could have done um, aside from scrapping the offense and running an offense that's going to appeal to a certain kind of recruit, which they're not going to do. But when you're trying to win games is the first goal. Um, I don't know that there's anything else they could have done, but certainly they're probably in this class with two four-star players, maybe three. And um, I, I understand somebody who thinks – that's me, somebody who thinks the class is better than it's being given credit for. I also think that the people who are saying it's disappointing, they might not end up with more four stars. I think that's a valid I think that's a valid critique, and I think you have to hold those two things in tension and find the truth somewhere in the middle. This is not a class that's going to ruin the trajectory or the long-term standing of Mark Stoops' program, what he's built in Lexington, but people probably want to see you capitalize as much as possible and land as many... 1A options uh, in terms of recruits on the heels of a season like this out there. I totally get that. But I still think that the 2020 class can be very good because it's going to be based on the best season that Kentucky has had in at least 40 years and an NFL draft that should be much better for Kentucky. Kirby Smart said yesterday, he told the media there in Georgia, I've got this posted at the House of Blue, all the quotes. He said yesterday that they're the fraternity of SEC head coaches, and they talk on a, on a semi-regular basis, week to week. The talk of the league is Kentucky's senior class. So what Mark Stoops has been saying about these guys, what Vince Mara has been saying about these guys, it's not they're not blowing smoke. Kirby Smart, the top coaches in the SEC, when they talk amongst themselves, they're talking about Kentucky's senior class. So it's it's legit. This is a this is a game changing program changing class. Not just Josh Allen. We're talking Derek Beatty, Darius West, Mike Edwards, um, George Asafo Ajay. I mean, guys guys that have made a huge difference on the program. C.J. Conrad, um, Jordan Jones. It's just the list goes on. And so it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun to watch. I might post another podcast. Cats Illustrated podcast presented by the Canfield Realty Group before the Georgia game. If I just have some parting thoughts, I'm still trying to get David Sisk on here for a basketball recruiting podcast, but we've got a lot of stuff up. If you're not a member of Cats Illustrated right now, you get a 50% off discount on a new annual subscription. Hope you take us up on it. It's the best thing going in Kentucky media. Cats Illustrated 24-7 discussion. The House of Blue as live, as lit as it has ever been. Also going to keep you guys posted on this pumpkin, this giant pumpkin. I, if you follow me on Twitter, you know about this. This is off topic, but this is a big part of my life right now. I got a text from my wife the other day, and it said, "It said, crap, we just won a 153-pound pumpkin. 153-pound pumpkin. I didn't know what to say. And 
I went to go pick this thing up yesterday. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I went to go pick it up from the grocery store. It was a Guess the Pumpkin's Weight contest. And my wife guessed for for our two-year-old, 150 pounds. We won. It was 153 pounds. Put that in in scare quotes. We won. We won. This looks like something that the, the grocery store is just trying to dump off onto somebody. Wouldn't even fit in my van. This thing is ugly. It's disgusting. It's huge. I couldn't pick it up. <laughs> and, and I mentioned this on, uh, on Twitter as well. Um, I did get a nice little compliment out of it. The guy at the store said, do you need a, you got a second person to pick this up? And he said, nah, you, you look like you work out a little bit. So I'm feeling pretty good. I kind of puff my chest out a little bit, stand back, arch the shoulders back. Yeah, just a little. I reach down and try to pick this pumpkin up, and it is not budging, just the way that it's shaped. I really don't want to have anything to do with this pumpkin. My family wants it, though, so I'm going to have to find a way to get it home. I'll keep you posted on that. All the other important things, Wandale Robinson, J.J. Weaver, join us at the House of Blue. Thank you guys for listening again. Have a great day.